So, it's never a bad time for a Johnny Cash song, number one. Number two, the title over the next couple of weeks, we're going to do a series called Destinations. And basically the point of that series is, we are all going somewhere in our lives. The question is, are you going where you want to go and are you going where God wants you to go? But we're all going to end up somewhere. And so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about just that thing, just, just the destinations of our lives. First and foremost, before we start, we got a call this morning from Casey Fitzgerald. Their son Clayton is in the emergency room. He had an anaphylactic shock this morning. And so we just want to, at the end here, we're going to lift them up. We don't know many details yet. I know they've been talking to John. And so we just wanted to, to let you guys know that so you can lift them up in prayer. And as, as we find out more, we'll, we'll let you guys know more as well. So let, let's go ahead and unpack this and get started. I don't know about you, but every few months, I like to reflect back on my year. And I like to think about what my goals, my dreams, my desires, and my plans for that year were. I also like to look at where I am in my life and compare it to where God wants me to be. You know, we all know that when, when we become Christian and we really begin to talk to the Lord, whether through prayer or through the word, that he begins to give us direction in our lives. And I think it's always important to always look back and say, am I going in the direction God wants me to go? It is a very cathartic process, but it also can be a bit surprising. And sometimes it can be painful if I have to be completely honest with myself. One of the most disappointing realizations any of us can have is when we realize we're not where God wants us to be. Somewhere along the path of life, I ended up in a place that I was not planning on. Am I the only one who feels that way this morning? Or do, or do you really believe, if you look at your life, you, you're trying to figure out, how did I end up here when God clearly wanted me to go there? How many of us here this morning want to be exactly where God wants us to be? Yeah, I'm one of those. I'll admit it. How many of us want to be living the life that God told us we could live? We all want, want to honor and glorify God with our lives, but seemingly so few of us are able to do that. We all have grand plans and grand dreams and grand desires given to us directly from the Lord, yet very few of us are living those out. We all take a look at our lives and feel that somewhere along the way, we got lost. Here's a video here, maybe. I would say no because I changed in midstream. At uh, first, you, you, in high school, you kind of make a decision that you're going to be a teacher, but that didn't work out. When I was younger, I was around family a lot, and so I was going to be a stay-at-home mom with lots of kids and just having lots of fun like I did when I was a kid. Well, after 14 years of a very dysfunctional marriage, uh, it ended in divorce, so I was a single mom, scared to death because I'd never been on my own before. My life did not turn out the way I expected. My brothers were athletes and my, my uh, God became sports and that was my pursuit in college. I went to college, got recu- recruited by major universities. My deep ideal plan was to make it to the NFL. I got hurt and uh, God had other plans obviously. I decided to become a nurse um, but because my family was a large family, 13 kids, they didn't have college funds for us so I had to pretty much let that go. Honestly, I thought I'd be in prison or, or, or dead. 
I used to be in a gang. I used to sell drugs. I used to do everything you can think that wasn't good. I'm still alive and I'm 25. I really thought that I was going to be, at the very least, probably uh, a studio musician in uh, New York or Hollywood at this point and uh, recording jingles, things of that nature. It's a lot of artistic expression and, and things that are involved that um, I really feel that I really didn't get the chance to experience in life. Can you guys relate this morning? I mean, you could just hear the pain in some of their voices as they're talking about what they wanted to do and what they're actually doing. And, you know, I know I can, and I, I feel all of us in this room probably at one point or another can relate to that. One of the definitions of lost means to be, to be bewildered as to place or direction. I think this definition hits it right on the head for many of us this morning. We would characterize where we are at right now as a sense of bewilderment and a sense of confusion. And that is the definition of lost. How are you guys with directions in here? Some of you could find your way out of the Amazon rainforest with a sundial. Some of you can. You are very good with directions, those of you who can do that. How many of you in here are bad with directions? And I see husbands looking at wives and wives looking at husbands. No pointing fingers now. Those of you who are bad with directions could get locked in a hallway with one door and arrows pointing the way out and you would still manage to end up lost. Maybe it is something like this guy. How many of us are like that last guy with our spouses? We just set it down here. I'm done. I'm done telling you. Let me offer a bit of information for those of you who are always frustrated at your spouses for constantly getting lost. Number one, they are not getting lost on purpose. And I think it's important to realize that. They don't drive and leave the house with the intent of getting lost. Number two, and you guys will appreciate this one, Talking louder is not going to help them suddenly find their way. <laughs> you know, when they call you up, you have to turn left at this. That doesn't help them get unlost, by the way. And finally, they will get to their destination, just not when you want them to. You know, and I think that last one refers to us in our lives as well sometimes. We get to our destinations. It just isn't always how we thought we would or in the time we thought we would get there. For those of you who, who always seem to get lost, here's a bit of wisdom for you. They make these little devices called the Global Positioning System, or GPS, to guide us. But there are times in life when even those little GPSs do not help. 
And for those of you who are bad with directions, I have good news for you. Anyone can struggle sometimes. I used to take a group of, of teens in my old church. We go every year, we go to North Dakota to the Sioux Indian Reservation up there. And I remember the first year we went, we had the GPS, and, and it was a Garmin, so I'm not trying to talk bad about Garmin. It was a Garmin, which is the top of the line. Well, apparently when you get into cities like that are pretty much anywhere in North Dakota, I guess they don't make maps for those. So we're, we're trying to draw, find our way to Bismarck to find the Walmart because we needed a few things. And I followed the GPS to a T. Every turn, when it said turn left, I turn left, turn right, I turn right. When she said turn around, I turned right. Turned around. She goes, you are now arriving at your destination. It was a swing set in the middle of a playground. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure this wasn't my destination. Stopped. They told me, they were like, no, that Walmart is actually on the other side of town. GPS doesn't work here. So good news for you guys. GPS doesn't always work. And sometimes you still get lost. The thing about getting lost, though, guys, and I said this earlier, is we don't know when it's happening. When you're in the middle of it, you have no clue that you're lost. I don't think any of us realized when we got lost at some point, or when we, at some point we got lost and just kept on going. And you're not driving down the road, hey honey, I'm lost. Yeah, I got lost like an hour ago, but I just kept on going. We have no idea when we're lost. We only realize we are lost when we're actually lost. When it actually happens, that's when we realize and get this sense an overwhelming feeling of being lost. That's why it's called being lost. Also, we don't try to get lost. It just happens. I do not drive around town looking for a way in which I can find myself lost. The only person who does that is the pizza guy who never shows up at your house ever on time. What happens is that we lose our attention for one minute and before you know it, we're lost. This idea of being lost is not exclusive to driving. The same thing happens in our lives as well. One day we are where we thought we would be, and the next thing you know, our lives are completely lost, and we are left thinking, how did I get here? Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to take a look at how we get lost, and more importantly, we're going to look at a few things on how to get back on track and how to never be lost again. Our lives can be looked at as a series of journeys. These journeys can be looked at as a series of paths that we decide to take. There are specific paths for each life situation that we find ourselves in. There are financial paths, spiritual paths, career paths, relationship paths, recreation paths, and so on. And as you put all these paths together, it becomes the the whole of our life. Every path we get on takes us to a certain place or a certain destination. Every path has a destination. And as you know from geometry, even though you guys are cringing who don't like geometry, I didn't come to church to talk about geometry. You can only go where the path takes you, right? If you're on a path, you can only go where the path is going. You can't go in a different place than the path. Even if you have amazing will and amazing self-control, you still end up where the path takes you. You can be extremely intentional about your actions, about your steps, about your thoughts. But you always end up where the path takes you. The principle of the path tells us that direction, not intention, determines our destination. Direction, not intention, 
determines your destination. Intentions are things like beliefs, thoughts, dreams, abilities, desires, and plans. Each and every one of us has hopes, dreams, and desires on one side. So we're over here with our hopes and our dreams and our desires. Yet when we look at our life, we're over here. Why do these two not match up? Because we never got on the path to get here. We got on the path to get here. The principle of the path applies to every area of our life, both spiritually and secularly. Think about the question I asked earlier. How did I get to where I am today? And I just want you to take a minute to think about that. Where I am today is not where I intended to be. I genuinely wanted to be somewhere else or was totally planning on and expecting a different outcome for my life than for what it is today. Remember, direction, not intention, determines where we go and where we end up. No matter how hard we try or how much we want or how much we pray or how much we desire, our hopes and our dreams cannot trump the direction that we are going in. And and here's a real common practical example. If you were going to leave, you know, let's say you're going to head to Dallas and you get up to Dallas and and I-45 goes east and west, right? I believe. Pretty sure. If you wanted to go to Houston, you wouldn't take I-45 west, right? But what happens in our lives is we jump on I-45 west and we're going and we're going. And like, but I want to get to Houston and I've prayed about Houston and the Lord wants me to get there and I've packed for Houston. And I've done everything I can to be in Houston, but you're going west on I-45. You'll never get to Houston. The same thing applies to our lives. There was a man in the Bible who was considered the wisest man to ever walk the earth other than Jesus, and his name was Solomon. We read in Proverbs the story of a young man, this will be found in Proverbs 7, who is about to journey down one of life's paths with a predictable outcome. Let's take a look. So this is Solomon, he's looking out his window. I was at the window of my house, looking out through my lattice shutters, and there among the usual crowd of the gullible people, I spotted a naive young man. Now, he's not saying there's something wrong with being young. He's just letting us know that when you're young, you're naive and you're gullible. And you just don't understand things yet. This young man was going down the street near the corner where she lived. That mysterious and evil woman taking the road that led directly to her house. Now, I want you guys to know this woman is not a prostitute. She's mysterious and she's evil, but she is not a prostitute. At the end of the day, as night approached and darkness crept in. So he's walking by her house as as darkness is creeping in. A woman comes out to meet him. She was dressed for temptation and devious with her affections. In other words, she's making it pretty obvious what what she thinks of this young man and what, what her desires are. She is loud and obnoxious, a rebel against what's proper and decent. She is always on the move, anxious to get out of the house and down the street. Sometimes in the open, and other times she's lurking around every corner. So what Solomon is doing here, he's telling us this, is, this lady is not of the highest class, so to speak, putting it nicely. I mean, she's hiding around corners, she's lurking. He's using words like we use for like snakes when they're slithering through. You know, she's lurking in the, in, the, in the crowd. So she sounds like a real winner here. And I'm sure she has a good positive reputation in town. Let's continue. 
So as this young man's walking by him, she grabs him and kisses him and shamelessly tells him, It was my turn to offer a peace offering, and today I paid my vows. So what's happened is the guy's walking down the street. She grabs him and she kisses him. What's this young man thinking? He's probably a college-age kid. Do you think I need to run and get out of here? Is that the first thought in his mind? This guy's thinking he's a rock star, right? It's like, this is stuff I read about in magazines, and this is happening to me today. I'm 14 when she goes, it was my turn to offer a peace offering, and today I paid my vows. Another way to put this is that she got right before God and now she is ready to start living again. And she had just left the temple. She had given her sacrifice and now she's ready to start living. If I were to be honest, I think many of us in this room do this as well. We live how we want to live for as long as we can live it. And we do that every single day. I'm going to live how I want to live for as long as I can live it. Once the burden becomes too heavy, we give it to God to lighten the load. We go to him in prayer and, Lord, forgive me. But instead of walking away with our lives transformed and our lives changed, we forget it and we go back to living again. Oh, man, that lightened my load. I feel better. And we go back doing the same stuff we did before. So that's what's going on here. This lady has told him, I'm good with God. I've paid my dues. I've given my sacrifice. I'm ready to start living. Verse 15, so now I came to see you. I really want to be with you, and what luck, I have found you. So she has pinpointed this young man, said, you are the one, I'm clean before God, and I want to start living, and you're the one I want to start living with. I have decorated my couch, laid colorful Egyptian linens over where we will be together, and perfumed the bed with exotic oils and herbs, myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come in and we will feast on love until sunrise. We will delight ourselves in our affections. You don't need to worry. My husband is long gone by now, away from home on a distant journey. So we have all the time in the world for us to be together. I bet you guys didn't know that the Bible mentioned cougars, huh? But it does. Verse 20. He took a bag of money with him, her husband, So I don't expect him home until next month. Can we see where this path is going? I'm sure this young man is thinking something else. But Solomon knows the end to this song, right? And looking out from the outside, we know the end of the song. We know where this path is going. Verse 21, she enticed him with seductive words, seduced him with her smooth talk. Right away, he followed her home. He followed her like a bull being led to the slaughter, like a fool caught in the trap. That is until an arrow punctures his liver, like a bird flying straight into a net. He had no clue his life was at stake. And if we look at our lives, we had no clue that our plans, desires, hopes, and dreams were at stake as well on the path that we were on, or the path that we're currently on. We have no clue that those are at stake. Verse 24, this is why it is so important that you listen to me, my sons, and pay attention to what I am telling you. Do not let your mind wander about her ways. Do not lose yourself and drift down her path. For she has claimed one life after another. One victim after victim. Too many to count. Her house is the gateway to the grave. Every step toward her is a step toward death's dark chamber. That's Proverbs 7, 6 through 27. Solomon could see the path 
and knew where it would lead. He saw it before this. He, he spotted the young man walking down the street from his window, knew who the house was, and knew exactly what was going to happen. The young man thought he knew better or thought he was in control of the situation, but the path still led to death, as Solomon says. I don't know if the young man purposed to be there or not. I don't know if he just happened to pass by on his way to going somewhere else. I don't know if he was a college guy and he had heard stories about this girl and decided, you know what, I think I'm stronger than my friends and I'm going to go by there and see what happens. Maybe he just ended up in the wrong place at the wrong time. But whatever his intention may have been, the path that he chose made for only one direction and for only one destination. And as Solomon says, that was death. Remember, direction, not intention, determines our destination. No matter what he was intending, no matter what he was desiring, he got on the path that ended in one place. And I want us to think about that with our lives too. No matter what I may be desiring or no matter I may be intending, the path I'm currently on today only leads in one direction and only ends in one result. I've got a story to share, and, and you know I'd like to share stories, but this one's about me and my wife and, and how wonderful of a lady she actually is. But we got married in 99, had our oldest Lily in 2001. Well, right about the time we had Lily, I think she was six months old, it literally was a week after 9-11, 2001, I got a, an opportunity to, t- to take a job in Denver. And because at the time I was greedy, and that's you know me being completely honest and, and looking back now, that's what it was. I decided to pack up my family and move. So we're living in Michigan. We moved 900 miles away to Denver where we knew nobody. I, I was making a lot of money. What I didn't realize is when you make more in a big city, you also spend more. So if I made double, we spent double. And so ultimately, I wasn't really any better off than we were in Michigan. But because I was stubborn and I was the man and I was going to provide for my family... I worked a lot. I probably worked 70 to 80 hours a week. And I, me, and this is me, not my wife, I spent like I worked 80 hours a week. I think we had two cars. We had all this stuff. I, w- I would move from one apartment to another because I wasn't happy and I wanted to give her more. And the thing that began to happen is I was spending more than I was getting. But I was convinced that I could make it work. I'll just work a little bit more. I'll just work a little bit harder. You know, if 80 hours a week isn't enough, I'm going to work 90 hours a week because that'll give me enough. I would work the extra 10 hours a week, still not see my wife, still not see my kid. We, you know, she got pregnant with, with Ivy at the time. That extra 10 hours of overtime I worked, I would spend on something else. And so even after 90 hours a week, I was still spending more than I was making. And it got to the point where I couldn't handle it anymore. And so we had to file for bankruptcy. So 2003, we're filing, we had to file for bankruptcy. Something that, and I'm not a big shameful guy. It's something that I think I didn't want to happen. Something when I look back, I'm glad did because now I understand money God's way. You know, and we can do things the right way. But it's very disheartening for a 20, it was 2003, so I'd have been 28, a 28-year-old husband with a young wife, two young kids, to have to say, I can't do this myself and, and file for bankruptcy. 
if I would have known then what I know now and looked at this is the path I'm on, there was only one place for that path to end up. And that was in personal bankruptcy. You can't spend more than you get and expect to live very long and expect to keep the lifestyle up that you keep. But I was convinced I could do it better than somebody else could do it. Because I'm Joe. I've had to rely on my own my whole life. I can do this. I couldn't do it. If it were a friend of mine and I were looking at, and we were looking at their life, I would have known exactly where the road was going. If I had been somebody stepping outside of my situation and looked at it, I would have known exactly what was going to happen. That's what is crazy about this whole thing. It makes sense when it's happening to someone else. Right? The situation you're in makes sense if your buddy's doing it. Or if your sister or brother's doing it. Or if your friend's doing it. But you just cannot see it when you're doing it. When I see the decisions a friend or family member make, I already have a good idea as to where they will end up. And as to where the path goes. I know where the path leads when someone else is on the path. And I know very clearly where it leads. I have a good sense of their destination once I see the direction they are going. I know in my mind and in my heart that despite what they are attending or what they are desiring or where they are hoping to go, I know that they will end up somewhere different because I see the path that they're on. The problem we have as humans and as followers of Christ is this attitude that it will be different for us. Just like this young man, it'll be different for me. I can get on that same road that they failed on, they failed on, they failed on, they failed on, but it'll be different for me. I will be successful on this road. We think we are in more control than the other guy. When the God's honest truth is we'll probably have less control than they do. The fact of the matter is that certain paths always lead to certain destinations no matter who is on the path. So whether I'm on it or whether you're on it, it's going to lead to the same place. Do not fall into the trap of good intentions making all the difference and changing the destination of your path. You will be doomed. I want to take a look at some real life examples of this. I want to be a great Christ- I want to be with a great Christian mate with the same values as myself. So I go so I go out with anyone who makes me feel good. I want to be respected by those around me, so I fool around cheat and I am disrespectful to all. I really want to grow close to God, so I give all my time and all my energy to things other than God. I want to be in a close, intimate, trusting relationship. So I tell my friends everything my mate does or everything my mate says. I really want to have or show love, so I give my love away to anybody. I really want to be in an open relationship, so I choose not to trust anybody. I want to be a reliable person, so I back out on all of my commitments. I really want to serve others, so I do things which will only benefit me. I really want to honor, honor God with my money so I buy whatever I feel like. I really want to be obedient to God so I do whatever I want to do. I really want to be a thoughtful person so I do things without thinking. And finally, I really want to go to Florida but I'm going to continue to drive towards New Mexico.
Do any of these situations apply to you? You have to be careful to not let the path you're on get your heart and get your emotions. And that's what happens. I get on this path. I get emotional about it. It grabs me. It drives me. Once it has your emotions, you're doomed. It becomes very, very difficult to change because to change paths means you have to change your emotions. And your emotions have to change. Be on guard and be honest with yourself. Listen to those people who are speaking into your lives. They have a different view than you. They are viewing your path from the outside. And, and, and I don't mean just ask anybody. I mean ask people who are dear, who are close to you, who you trust, who you know love you and care for you. Ask them about the path you're on and what they see. Many times we need people to point out to us the path and the destination of that path. We get focused on the doing or where we need to head and we don't focus too much on the outcome. We get focused on the here and the now and we don't look at the tomorrow. We very often get so focused on the immediate that we don't think about the ultimate. We need to change our focus. So the path you're on, are you looking at the immediate or are you looking at the ultimate destination of that path? Because depending on what you're looking at, it's going to determine what you do on that path. Remember, direction, not intention, determines our destination. Will the path you are currently on today get you to where you want to be? I can't answer that question for you. Only you can. And only God can. But it's one you need to think about. The path you're on right now, is it going to get you to where you want to go and to where God wants you to be? And secondly, do you really think your outcome will be different than somebody else's? Because you've seen somebody else go on the path you're on now. You've seen it. Do you think your outcome will be better than theirs? Do you think you're stronger than they are? Do you think you're a better Christian than they are? Do you think, because I go to church every Sunday, my path has to turn out differently than his? Or will you be honest with yourself and say, you know what, I've seen this before and I've got to do something to change my path? Next week, we're going to talk about what do we do to change the destination that we're going. That's the beauty of God is, is once we recognize the path we're on is not where we want to be, God helps us get onto a different path. And we're going to talk about that. But one thing we're going to do, guys, is I'm going to call Doug because there's some news that, that needs to be shared, but it's his place to share it. So we're going to try this out and see how this works. This is a first, I think, in New Life, isn't it? Talking on the phone during this actual service. Hello, can you hear me? Man. Hey, you're on live. Okay. So, uh, I wish I was there with you guys to share what's going on in, in our family's lives. Um, Wednesday night, Hannah tried to take her own life. We uh, had to spend the entire night in the emergency room at the, at the Palestine Regional. And uh, there, because she's a juvenile, we had to transfer her to a psychiatric hospital in Arlington where she is being evaluated and uh, she will be there at least seven days. So this morning I'm in uh, Wichita Falls with Rachel at the gym meet, a state gym meet, and Janie is in Arlington and she'll be visiting Hannah 
this afternoon. We have gotten to see her once already. She looks good and sounds good, um, but it's going to be several more days before she gets an opportunity to come home. So just ask you, you are family to us, and, and we love you all like family. We're just going to ask you all to be praying for us and to... Uh, um, I, I don't mind anybody asking us questions. I don't mind anybody in our church telling anybody in our church. But honestly, outside of the church, um, I don't really feel like it's a whole lot of people's business. So uh, just be praying for us. And when we know anything else, we will be sharing it with you. We love you guys. And uh, I've got to cut this short because Rachel is about to perform on the vault. So we'll talk to you all soon. All right, thanks, Doug. We love you. I love you, too. All right, bye. Bye. All right, guys, we're going we're gonna to close in prayer. I, I, I found out Thursday morning, actually, so I had the opportunity. You know, one of the many advantages of being a minister, you get in the hospital when nobody else can. So I was able to get in and see her about 10 o'clock Thursday, and I, I spent a couple hours with her. She's in very good spirits, doing very, very well. You know, they're, they're not exactly sure what's going on. You know, and I think part of this process is then putting a name on it because when you know it, when it's named, then you can figure it out. And so I know they got to see her for about an hour on Friday, an hour yesterday, I think an hour today and about 45 minutes tomorrow, and then they don't get to see her again until she's discharged. So I talked to Doug yesterday. She said she's feeling great. She sounds great. Absolutely hates being there. And that's a good thing because we don't want her to get comfortable in a place like this. And so we want to pray for them. You know, Doug, Doug's way is to deal with things by staying busy. And so he went with Rachel. Rachel really felt it was more important and necessary for the family's well-being that she goes and competes. So she's competing. So keep lifting her up as well. And, and just lift up Janie. It, it, it's agonizing for her to not be able to be with her daughter. So... <laughs> So we want to lift them up as well. I'm going to close in prayer here. One thing, you know, I want you guys to think about this, you know, and, you know, this was, this is how God works. And I've talked to Hannah a little bit about this. You know, there are certain outcomes to certain paths. And I pray to the Lord that he changes the path that Hannah's on right now. Because we know the outcome of this path. You know, whether we want to or not, or whether we want to admit it or not, we know. And part of this process is that the Lord helps her get up from one path and sets her down in another one. And I, my prayer is the same for you guys right now. I know many of you are struggling in this room today. Many of you are going through situations very similar to what Doug and Janie are going through. And so I challenge you just to take a minute, be honest with yourself and look at the path you're on and decide, will this path get me out of the funk that I'm in? Or does something need to change? Let's close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you, Father, for this day. Lord God, we stand united on behalf of the Washburn family, Father. Lord, I ask that you give them solid ground to stand on. Because when your world starts collapsing, Lord, nothing seems to make sense. You can't even catch your breath. You can't even get up off of your knees to steady yourself. And Father God, we have the promise from you that that is your job to steady us when our feet are failing giving us a breath when our lungs fail us father 
And so I pray right now that you do that. Lord God, we know that before time began, you knew exactly what was going to happen. And we believe firmly, Father, that this was part of your plan. And that whether it's a week, six months, two years, five years, 15 years down the road, we're going to look back and be able to glorify you for who Hannah has become because of this situation, Father. And so, Lord, I praise you. Father, we praise you when it's difficult. We praise you when we don't understand. We praise you when it seems like things aren't worth praising for. But we praise you, Father. Lord, I'd lift up everybody in this room right now, Father, who is struggling with the path that they're on. I feel many are in the same place I am when we begin to look at, is my life where I thought it would be? Am I doing the things that you desired for me to do, Father? And if not, what happened? And God, I pray for just a, just a burst of boldness in each and every one of us to look at ourselves and say, you know what? I got me here because I chose the wrong path. I chased the money when I should have chased family. I chased this relationship when I should have chased you, Father. And I'm willing and I'm ready to admit that today. That I'm exactly where my path has taken me because I got on the wrong path. But Father, because you love us, you don't keep us on the path that we're on. You take us. And you may not physically pick us up and move us, Father, but you will walk us every step of the way until we get to where you want us to be. And that's what a loving Father does. He walks his children through it. And picks them up and dusts them off and tells them I'm proud of you and I love you and keep it up and I know it's tough and I know it's hard and I know it hurts. But just wait and see what happens when you get there. And so Father, I ask that you give us that encouragement today. Lord God, I look forward to the things that you're doing. And as difficult as a day like today can be where it just seems like the enemy won't let new life go. The stuff with Sherry, the stuff with Doug, just the stuff, the, the, the stories that I hear from people in here today, Father. But Lord, I praise you because if we weren't honoring you and if we weren't doing what you asked us to do, the enemy wouldn't care. But he does because we love you and because we're going to honor you through thick and through thin. And even when it doesn't make sense, Father, we're going to raise our hands and we're going to praise you because we love you. So, Father, I ask that you go before each and every one of us in this room. I ask that you lift us up. I ask that you dust us off. I ask that you put your arm around us. Help us take the next step and say, I love you, my son. I love you, my daughter. And I am very, very proud of you. So we thank you, Lord, and we love you. It's in your holy and precious name we pray. Amen.